0: Welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to practicing attorneys about their lives in and out of the practice of law. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show. And yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. Daniel J. Callahan won the largest jury verdict in Orange County, California. He's obtained settlements for clients in excess of $50 million. He's been voted California Business Trial Lawyer of the Year by California Lawyer Magazine, and it almost goes without saying that he's been named one of the top 10 lawyers in Southern California by Super Lawyers. Dan Callahan, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer.
1: Thank you, Lewis. Thank you for having me.
0: Dan, where are you talking to us from right now?
1: Right now, I'm in Orange County, California, although I live in Puerto Rico. I moved, really? to Puerto, yes, I moved to Puerto Rico, December of 2021, and just came back here to visit some friends about a week ago.
0: Well, what's living in Puerto Rico like?
1: <laughs> it's warm. <laughs> Actually, I live on the Ritz-Carlton property in Dorado Beach. It's a beautiful area. You can imagine with the Ritz-Carlton, it's probably very nice. Several really nice restaurants, bars, two golf courses, tennis. Workout facilities, everything. And a number of lawyers have moved to Puerto Rico because of the advantageous taxing. There's also no tax on capital gains, interest, or dividends.
0: What kind of practice do you have right now?
1: I run Callahan Consulting, which provides consulting services to attorneys on trial strategy and tactics. Also, I provide consulting services to clients the need to find an expert in their locale, in the field that they're involved in with litigation. So I will then find out what they need. I have a source of lawyers that I'm aware of over practice for 40 years, and I will then vet them to make sure that they can handle the given case. So once I have vet the attorney, I put the attorney and the client together, boom. That's the service I provide.
0: Who's your typical client?
1: It's usually a business person with a dispute. It could be intellectual property. It could be just a business litigation matter, but also sometimes it's a person who's been severely injured. And the reason those are my typical clients is, as you mentioned earlier, I had a verdict for $934 million in a complex business case. And most of my practice, I've worked on complex business litigation. Also, halfway through my 40-year career, I started doing uh, personal injury matters. And that's where that $50 million personal injury settlement came in on behalf of a client. So those are the type of matters that a client would come to me for. And that's what I'm pretty good at. And I hooked them up with a lawyer who can handle that service.
0: And I take it you're able to discuss with the lawyer, ask appropriate questions, and then make some determination for yourself as to whether or not this attorney is the right fit for the client who has come to you.
1: That's correct. And I'll usually give the client at least two recommendations. And then after I've interviewed both of the attorneys or sometimes three, I will then get on a call with the client and the attorney and help the client become familiar with and comfortable with one or the other, the lawyers. So the client will actually choose.
0: How long have you been doing this type of work and how long have you been licensed to practice law?
1: Well, I was licensed. I graduated from law school in 1979 and I didn't get sworn in until March of 1980. I was working in Hawaii at a law firm and my father was unable to attend my graduation from law school. I went to Chicago, have sporting by a federal judge with my father there at my side.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: So, yeah, so I've been practicing law for over 40 years.
0: And how long have you been doing the Callahan consulting work?
1: Just since my move to Puerto Rico. Which was when? That was in December of 2021. And I still provide consulting services to my law firm, Callahan and Blaine, like I always did. You know, mentoring the associates and the junior partners.
0: Where are you from originally?
1: I was born in Chicago, raised in a suburb 17 miles to the west called Elmhurst. I went to Mac Conception High School in Elmhurst. And after high school, I did not go directly into college because. What'd you do? Well, first of all, why did I do it? Okay. Because I was, I graduated fifth in my class in high school. Wow. From the bottom. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was number 168 out of 172. So I really, I guess, I did not really apply myself very well in high school. So I worked construction. I climb trees with a McCulloch chainsaw and chop down the trees and throw it into wood chipper or bust up sidewalks with a jackhammer and throw it into the truck. And that's what actually happened. After a few years, I'm throwing this wood into the wood chipper. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? You know, my mother said I'd be a good attorney. And I look over my friend who got me the job, and he's standing there next to his father. So I know why he got the job. But I wanted to go and become a lawyer. But I thought to go, I'd have to go to college. And now I'm going to be against all those smart people, right? So I decided to go to college. I put myself through college and law school. And uh, I prepared intensely.
0: When was it that you first realized that you really wanted to be a lawyer? You wanted to go to law school. Was it standing next to the wood chipper?
1: Earlier, I had dreams of being a lawyer because my mother said I'd be a good lawyer. I'd watch Perry Mason on television or even a show called Hazel, where Hazel was a maid for a man who was a lawyer and worked out of his home. So I thought there was a very attractive occupation. And of course, Perry Mason was great. So that's why in the back of my mind, I wanted to be. However, given my grades, it didn't seem all that likely. But when I was throwing the wood in the wood chipper, I thought, okay, this is just not for me. Why don't you try college? I had matured in the last few years after high school, and I had a different attitude. I had an attitude that I wanted to go to law school, and I wanted to go to college, and I just made it happen.
0: Where'd you go to college?
1: Western Illinois University in Macomb, Illinois basically a beautiful little college in the heart of a cornfield. I mean, it was just in a very, what would you say, a farmland. So I went to, I went to college at Western Illinois University in Macomb, Illinois, and it was a very nice university just in, in the middle of the farmland. And so
0: how was your experience in college? I mean, coming out of a, you know, Catholic high school and being pretty uninterested, now all of a sudden you're in you know a much more secular environment with a wider variety of people. What was right. that experience like?
1: Well, I loved it, actually. I loved meeting the people. At first, though, I was there for a purpose. I wanted to do well in school. So after my first semester, or I should say quarter, I had straight A's. And I had straight A's during my first year. In fact, I had straight A's all the way through college except for one B. I got a B in bowling. You had, to t- <laughs> you had to take one PE course, so I took bowling. Apparently, I'm not the best bowler. D-
0: did you at least learn how to keep score?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. So I became the president of the Pre-Law Society there in at Western. And I was my goal was to go to law school, and that's what I did. I went, moved on to... University of California at Davis.
0: Did you take any time off between graduating from college and going to Davis?
1: No, I did not. And the way I decided to go to UC Davis, I worked during the summers and Christmas holidays while in college, and I worked as a porter on Amtrak. So I'd go from Chicago to Los Angeles, and I got to see what Los Angeles was like and what Southern California was like. And, uh, I decided I would go to law school in California. So I didn't want to go to law school in Los Angeles because they had a lot of smog, but UC Davis had a similar atmosphere to Western Illinois university where the college dominated the town.
0: It was I in went- the middle of a cornfield.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And also, uh, Davis, looks like on the globe, it looks really close to the ocean. But really, it's about an hour and a half away.
0: My guess is that you enjoyed your experience at Davis.
1: I did. Yes, I very much did. I graduated in the top 10 in my class, and I had the same approach, which is I stress preparation. And I always, I tend to put my opposition on a pedestal, and I try to fight the person on the pedestal like it was Goliath. And it turns out when, the, when it comes down to it, they're really not Goliath. So I had the same success in undergrad as I had in law school. And now I do that. I can't help it. I've done that through my entire career. I, I prepare. I actually am concerned when I have a case. I want to make sure I do a good job and I don't want to do anything wrong. So I really, really prepare And I also don't delay in doing anything. I think that's one of the biggest problems some lawyers have, lack of preparation and delay in getting jobs done.
0: You ultimately, as you've alluded to, ended up with a very active, lucrative personal injury practice. Can you tell us a little bit about your path from UC Davis Law to that practice in Southern California?
1: Certainly. Straight out of UC Davis, I was recruited to go to a law firm in Hawaii. The oldest and largest law firm in the state was called Carl Smith, Carl Smith, Wickman, and Case. And I spent two years there, and I really didn't think the Hawaiian life was for me. So I moved to Newport Beach with a good law firm, Allen, Mackins, Select, Gamble, and Mallory. And in both places, I only did business, construction, banking, litigation. So when I opened up my own practice, I should back up. What I did, I had two years at Carl Smith in Hawaii, three years at Allen Matkins, then on St. Patrick's Day in 1984, I opened up my own law office and I did nothing but business banking, construction, litigation for the first 20 years of my practice.
0: So you came back to, uh, to California and you started practicing with a firm here in California in California, and then you went out on your own doing business litigation, business law. What was it that prompted you to leave the business firm? And did you have your own book of business when you went and did that?
1: Yes, I did. See, that's really what happened. I have a knack for bringing in business. So I was bringing in quite a bit of business And I was keeping other attorneys busy. And then I thought to myself, you know, I could probably open up my own shop and be my own boss. So what I did, I called my mother and said, look, I'm thinking about doing this. And she said, you know, there's a lot of people in the old folks home that say, I wish I had, I wish I had. So right now, Dan, you don't have any children. If you're ever going to do it, it's probably a great time to do it. So go ahead. So with her blessing and my desire to do it, I opened up on St. Patrick's Day 1984. I started hiring. I didn't hire an associate for the first six months, and then I hired two, and then the firm expanded thereafter.
0: Can you give a brief history of the firm and how you got built up into taking these really serious really high-value cases?
1: Well, by example, I mentioned that $934 million case. So that case was a $2 million breach of contract case. I took that case. During discovery, I discovered a $300,000 fraud. We would have settled the case initially for $300,000. Wow. Then, as I get more deeply involved, I demanded a million, and they offered three hundred. dollars as they we're approaching trial, I demanded three million. They offered a million, and I kept on raising my demand, and they kept on following me with their offers. What really happened in that case? You have a two million dollar breach of contract, get a three hundred thousand dollar fraud. Seven weeks into the jury trial, I amended the complaint to conform to proof I'd already had admitted, and added two causes of action for economic duress. The jury came back. And they gave me a unanimous verdict: First cause of action: two million dollars. Second cause of action: 300,000, plus a million and a quarter in punitive damages. Third cause of action I don't remember what the compensatory was, but the punitive damages were 180,000 dollars, or 180 million dollars. Wow And the fourth cause of action again, I don't recall the compensatory, but the punitives were 750 million dollars.
0: Did the judge let that stand?
1: Yes. Yes, we we did settle the case before it went to appeal, because the comparison between the punitive's and the underlying damages were so great, no one believed that that had a chance on appeal. Then certainly gave me bragging rights getting that verdict.
0: I would imagine so. What What do you really like about practicing law?
1: I like to challenge, and I like to help clients, and I really like to look at a problem and then look at it in a different way and try to come up with a creative solution that works for the client. So it's kind of like a Rubik's Cube, and you just look at it this way or that way. I try to find a creative solution. That's what I really enjoy.
0: Would you recommend the law as a career to a young person who is just starting out, was thinking about going to law school?
1: If they're willing to work hard, yes, I think it's very rewarding. But it's a—it's really, if you want to be good and you want to be the best, it takes a lot of preparation and hard work. You're going to miss a lot of social events. You're going to miss a number of things. But really, you forget all about that. When you're done and you're high-fiving, when you get the verdict or the settlement, all the hard work, you just forget about that and you just enjoy the result.
0: How is actually practicing law met or differed from your expectations?
1: <laughs> well, I didn't go into criminal law like Perry Mason, and I didn't work out of my house like the Hazel show. But, you know, it was a learning experience. I learned a lot with the two law firms I was with initially, and I also I was self-taught, really, on how to uh, present myself. I went to many, many seminars and tried to see what the real pros and the industry were doing and try to mimic what they did. So that's just my secret. And I think anybody can do the same thing. Just have a desire to learn and then try to learn from the best.
0: How about the business of practicing law? You know, you've obviously been successful, but how's that gone for you? And how's that either met or differed from your expectations? And just sort of what's your notion about law as a business?
1: Well, I didn't really have much of an expectation about what the business side of it would be. I knew that I had to bill a certain number of hours, get paid, pay my staff, and have enough left over to pay myself handsomely. That's about all I knew. So I hired competent people to work in my accounting department that can send out the bills. And I also made sure that I was diligent enough to keep accurate records of everything I did so I can have a good bill that the client could understand on a monthly basis. What do you think
0: is the best advice you've ever received? And then let me just flip that and say, what advice would you give to a young attorney just starting out?
1: To be diligent, to get on projects immediately. Don't delay and think you can get around to that tomorrow or the next day. Try to do it sooner versus later. And try to be prepared, as prepared as you possibly can. And the reason I say don't delay is because if you could do it today and you don't, you put it off till tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. There may be something else that comes your way. And now your schedule is all messed up and you don't have enough time to do your very best work on a given assignment.
0: And what about advice that that you've received? Can you (laughs) think of some great bit of wisdom that was imparted to you?
1: I think to be yourself, when you're interacting with the jury, and that's what I like to do, you don't put on airs, but you are yourself and you try to communicate and make friends with the jury. Jury trials, it's all about having a relationship with the jury.
0: Is there anything that you would change about the way the legal system works?
1: I would like it to be a little faster. Sometimes a client they come to me because they've either been sued or screwed, right? So they're sued, so they need somebody to defend them, or screwed, so they need to go ahead and bring an action to try to recover damages. And it's, lawsuits are expensive. And the longer they delay, the more expensive it is to the client. So if I could make it better, I would seek to have it the process shortened. When I first started out in California, There is a law that all cases had to be brought to trial within five years. That is an eternity. So now the practice is more like a year, year and a half, maybe two years, depending on the complexity of the lawsuit. So that's much better. But I'd still like to shorten that time frame. It works better for the client. Do you
0: think the legal system is fair?
1: I do. Well, let me take that back. Yes, I do think it's fair. However... The lawyer you have representing you makes all the difference in the world. You can have a really good lawyer on a bad case, and he can win. You can have a not-so-good lawyer on a good case, and he can lose. I still find it to be fair, but sometimes it's up to the lawyer and what that lawyer can achieve, and that will determine the results. I'm
0: going to shift gears here a little bit, Dan. What's your family life been like and how has practicing law affected that fit into it? Or how's your family life fit into your practice of
1: law? I'm married. My wife's name is Maureen. I have two children, Caitlin and Michael. I try to spend as much time as I can with them. During my initial years, when I opened up my own office, I didn't have any children. So there's no demand on my time. And as I built the practice, Then I was able to delegate work to associates and also allowed me to have time to grow the family. Having a family is what, like, it, it doesn't matter if you're a plumber or what your job is. Family is the most important thing.
0: How about travel experience? I know you live in Puerto Rico, but what about other travel experience? Have you had any interesting places that you've gone
1: Certainly, I've gone on safari a couple times in Africa, Kenya, and Tanzania. I've gone all over Asia, South America, uh, Europe. In fact, I'm going to Spain in October. I've ran with the bulls in Pamplona, and I've done a number of exciting things. So I do like to travel.
0: What about recreational pursuits? Any sort of things that you like to do to get your mind off of your work, your practice of law?
1: Yes. Really, I devoted my time to work, work or family. But I did go out and play golf every once in a while, and I am astoundingly poor at golf. But now that I'm in Puerto Rico, I'm doing it more and more and more, and I'm getting better.
0: What mistakes do you think lawyers make?
1: I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but the mistakes I think lawyers make are delaying their work and not being prepared.
0: How do you define success?
1: Well, it is difficult to answer, right? Success should be something that I believe brings meaning to your life. When you get involved, you want to do something to help someone else or to achieve an objective. And if you help someone else or you achieve that objective, that gives me meaning. And that is success. If you can do that also, then money will just flow to you as well. If you're concerned about someone else and You just try to work your best, the money will come. So I would not say try to go after the money. Just try to go after helping someone else because that gives you internally a feeling of just doing the right thing and having meaning. You need to have meaning in what you do, no matter what field.
0: Let's say you came into some real money you know, several billion dollars, three or four billion dollars, what, if anything, would you do differently in your life?
1: You know, it's a good question. If that question was asked of me 10 years ago when I was still very active in practicing trial practice, I think I might not take as many cases, but I told you that for me what's important is to have some meaning in what you're doing to achieve a goal. The law allows me to do that. So I think I'd still do that if I had billions of dollars. If I had billions of dollars, I'd probably give considerably more to charities that I support, like juvenile diabetes and other sources that I support. If I had billions of dollars, wow, what would I do there? Good question.
0: What if you had a magic wand and there was one thing in the world that you could change, legal world or otherwise, what would that be?
1: There's a lot of people in the unfortunate position of through no fault of their own, they just got dealt a bad hand. And I would like to help them.
0: Let's say you had 60 seconds on the Super Bowl, Super Bowl ad. What message would you want to put out to that Super Bowl audience?
1: Well, assuming this is an ad, it's an ad for my business, I would, at this point in time, tell people of Callahan Consulting and the consulting services it provides, To clients throughout the United States, and also to attorneys throughout the United States if they need a mentor on trial practice or strategy or skills. I would try to put something like that together to introduce them to Callahan Consulting.
0: This podcast reaches a somewhat smaller audience than the Super Bowl. But now that you've said that, how can we get in touch with you if someone wants to get in touch with you? And what would, the, what would the banner say at the bottom of the Super Bowl ad in terms of how to get in touch with Callahan Consulting?
1: Well, there is callahanconsulting.com and my email is dan at callahanconsulting.com. So someone could go to my website to learn more about what I do and then to reach out to me by email or they can actually go to the website to reach out to me through the website.
0: And we'll get all of that in the show notes. Dan Callahan, thank you so much for joining me today on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Lewis, thank you very much for having me. It has been my pleasure.
0: That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and follow the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com, where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks to my guests, and to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, Paul Roberts for social media, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman.
1: I lived on Oahu. You are on an island, and there's the island has a lot of benefits to it. There's a lot of things that Hawaii did not have.